by accident. But Lord, it's by your divine providence that all of us have come together this morning. We're praying now in Jesus' mighty name and Holy Spirit, we're asking that by your power, you use this service for your honor and your glory. Lord, would you use me as your mouthpiece? These people need not hear what I have to say. Holy Spirit, I'm asking this morning that you fill me up and you pour me out with your words of life so that men, women, boys, and girls may come to know you. If there's one here this morning that's lost, Lord, we're praying today be the day that they trust in you. Lord, would you already begin convicting that heart like you once convicted mine, showing all of us our great need for you. Father, we pray today that you show us the importance and the victory that's in the resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Now, we live in a small town. Our town is bigger than others, smaller than uh, some, but uh, we, I would relatively say that our town is a small town. Now, how many of you know in a small town you hear a lot of talk? Anybody ever experienced that? Maybe you've heard someone say in the past, uh, well, the word around town or the talk around town is thus and such or the talk around town is this or that. You ever heard somebody say something like that? Of course. In a small town, you're going to hear it. I had a brother in Christ tell me the other day, he said, you know what I love about living in a small, small town? I said, what's that? He said, if you've got a problem and you don't know what to do, just wait a little while and somebody will tell you. Everybody seems to try to get in your business in a small town is really what he was saying. Well, we've all experienced that to some degree. That's just small town living. You'll hear thus and uh, such. You'll hear this and that. But let me encourage you to listen very carefully and guard, protect uh, what you allow your ears to hear. Because how many of you know a lot of things that you hear in the talk of the town um, is, is true and good. There's no doubt about that. Last week I had a gentleman in my workplace. He came to me and he said, uh, Brother Israel, I want to know what you're feeding them boys out at Mount Zion. I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, uh, I said, we feed them a bunch, but I don't know what you, where you're going with that. And uh, we eat all the time around here. Can you say amen? But uh, there was a, he said, you had two young men from the church that just showed up in the county, showed up and showed out in the county track meet this week and done a great job. Well, that was some good news that I was glad to hear some true news. So a lot of the talk of the town is good stuff. Can you say amen? But now, how many of you know there's a lot of it um, that's not really good? As a matter of fact, it's very bad and very untrue. So you've got to know uh, who you're listening to and for what purpose they are saying what they are saying to really discern what the talk of the town is, whether it be good or bad. Amen. Now this morning, I'm going to give you some talk I know to be true. I'm going to give you some good news um, that I know will be beneficial to each and every one of us. Truth that applies to all of us. You, say, you may say, well, preacher, how in the world do you know it applies to me? You don't know me. I don't know you. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. And you know what? You'd be right. I don't know all of you. I don't know what's going on in your personal life, but I do know this. The good news I'm about to share with you uh, concerning the resurrection is beneficial for every man, woman, boy, and girl upon the face of this earth. You see, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. The Word of God is beneficial for you. The Word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth concerning the resurrection will be a blessing to you when you hear it this morning. When you see how it applies unto your everyday life. Because it absolutely does. That's what makes the gospel so powerful. It changes us. Amen. It makes us what God wants us to be if we'll trust in it. And so let's see this morning, not the talk of the town, but I want to preach to you this morning about the talk around an empty tomb. 
Because there's three things that are said here that I think are very beneficial to all of us. Look what it says. First of all, starting uh, in verse number 2 of chapter number 28. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment, watch this now, white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now, the keepers that were there among the tomb was a garrison of soldiers that were charged with keeping the body in the tomb. See, there was some talk that this Jesus had claimed he was going to die and then rise again. Amen. And so they wanted to make sure the Jesus they had just killed stayed dead. They didn't want anybody coming and stealing his body away. But how many of you are thankful? Uh, listen, no matter what man's efforts were, no matter what man's abilities were, God, by his power, brought Jesus from the grave. That's all important for us. That's important for me. That's important for you. As I said before, if Jesus is still in the grave, we still have no hope. But because he's alive, we too can experience eternal life. We praise him for it. We thank him for it. The Bible says something then that I want us to take note of in verse number five. And the angel said unto the women, Fear not. Fear not. Don't fear. Now, every time you see an angel announcing something about the Lord Jesus, you're going to see that um, uh, they, they always say, don't fear. Fear not. Every time. If you go back and look in Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, I'm not going to turn there with you, but you can write that down and look at it later. Luke 1.30, when the announcement of the birth of Jesus came to Mary by way of an angel, he said unto Mary, Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God. And you're going to conceive and bear a son, you're going to call his name Jesus. When the angel came and announced the birth of Christ, he said to Mary, Fear not. At his birth, if you remember, when the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds in the field, the first thing they said when they appeared in the heavens is, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Then if we notice here in Matthew 28, at his resurrection, the, the angel says the same thing. When Concerning the resurrection of Jesus, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, Ladies, fear not. Don't fear. Now what I believe God's word is telling us is that, listen, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to fear. Now that's very important for me, you, and everybody else. Let me tell you why. We live in a world controlled by fear. Man, there are peoples who live their life every day in fear of what might happen. We worry about things we can't change. We fear what might happen tomorrow. They live their lives in fear. A lot of fears that I can understand. Some of them I don't understand. Let me give you three fears that just blew my mind when I was studying this this week. Do you know there's a fear of sleep? It's called somnophobia. The word phobia means fear. The word somni means sleep. You know that there are actually people who are afraid of falling asleep? Now, I wish sometimes I had that fear. I, wish, I think a lot of times that'd do me good. And I've come to find out the older I get, the, uh, the easier it is for me to fall asleep uh, when I don't want to. But that's somnophobia. You know, there's a fear called cholerophobia, which means a fear of clowns. Some of you know what all about that. I don't understand that fear, but some people do. Some people's afraid of clowns. You know, there's a fear that I believe my daughter has. I, I got a teenage daughter who I love very much, but she's definitely got this one. It's called nomophobia, the fear of no cell phone coverage. And so, 
those are some fears that I really don't get. I really don't understand that. But a lot of people have those fears. There are three fears that psychologists and psychiatrists say that all of us are born with. Every man, woman, boy, and girl upon the face of the earth, they say we are born with these inherent fears. First of all, it's the fear of falling. Now, I would agree with that. Nobody wants to fall. Nobody likes to fall. I remember when I was a, a senior in high school, I was bagging groceries out at the Jitney Jungle for an after-school job. And one day I was walking out, uh, pushing a, a cart of groceries up to a woman's car, and I looked over to my right, and there was this lady getting into her car, having already been in the store. And as soon as she opened her door, the pavement was a little bit wet, and her feet slipped out from under, and she fell right up under that car. She did everything she could do to make sure she wasn't going to fall because she was afraid of it, but she still fell. And I walked over and I said, ma'am, did you fall? She said, no, I always get in my car like this. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. But, but all of us have a fear of falling. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we all are born with the fear of the dark. Everybody is. Everybody fears the dark at some point in their life. We was at the Creation Museum this weekend, and um, the ladies were asleep in their bed Thursday night when we got there, and from what I am told in their cabin, one of the ladies shrieked in fear and woke everybody else up. You may tell you why? She thought she saw something in the dark. We all have somewhat of a fear of the dark sometime in our lives. Heard a story about a little boy who was getting ready to go to sleep. His mama said, son, it's time to get in the bed. It's your bedtime. It was about 9 o'clock, 9.30, somewhere around there. That's what time my kids go to bed. And she said, won't you go on up to your room? His room was upstairs. And after he got 14 drinks of water, parents, you know what I'm talking about, he finally went up and got in his bedroom. And so he's laying there in his bed, and he hollers out, and he says, mom, I'm scared. It's dark in here. And his mom hollered back and said, son, why don't you just pray? Jesus is up there with you. And the little boy hollered back down the stairs and said, mom, won't you come up here and sleep with Jesus? I want to sleep with daddy. Now, all of us, all of us from time to time have a fear of the dark. The Bible, or excuse me, psychologists also tell us that we all have a fear of death. I can understand that. There was a time in my life when I was absolutely terrified of death. I can remember times in my life when I would lay in my bed at night and tremble in fear knowing I wasn't right with God. Knowing that if I left this walk of life before I woke up the next morning, I was going to wake up in a devil's hell. I knew that. I understood that. And it scared me to absolute almost to death. I mean, it really did. There's a fear of death. You know what I, I, I found? I, when I looked at these three things, you know what I noticed? All three of these great fears are exactly what hell's going to be like. Take your Bibles. Turn to Revelation with me. Chapter number 20 to begin with. Watch what it says. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast, everybody say cast, was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's not that they chose to jump or they wanted to jump. It's that they were thrown and made to jump. Now anytime you're thrown, if I go out and throw a rock, guess what? That rock has no choice but to fall. 
And so when anybody who has not accepted Christ as their personal Savior, not been born again into the family of God, when they leave this walk of life, the Bible says if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to face one of your greatest fear, and that greatest fear is falling. Let me show you something else. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 and many other places, Jesus said it like this, that the unbeliever would be cast into outer darkness. Amen. Where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so if there are two fears that we're going to face, if you go to hell, it's going to be the fear of falling and it's going to be the fear of darkness because that's what hell is all about. Let me give you another one. Do you know that hell is called the second death? Right there in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 14 and verse number 15, it says all who were not found in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. You know what it says? That is the second death. Hell brings all of our greatest fears to life. I'm going to tell you, I understand that fear. I'll say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'd be scared to death. Because the truth is, we are one heartbeat away from eternity. And all of us will spend eternity in one of two places. If you've been born again, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you know you've been changed on the inside that's making a difference on the outside, the Bible says, and if you believe in the Son of God, you have life, John 3, 36. But it also says in that same verse, if you don't believe, you have not life. And so if you leave this walk of life, not having your sin problem taken care of that separates you from God, the Bible teaches you will face a devil's hell and he calls it the second death. The truth is you can be born once and die twice. Amen? Unless the Lord tarries, all of us are going to face a physical death. The physical death is the separation of the spirit from the body. Now then, if you don't know Jesus... You're going to face the second death. That's the separation of your eternal spirit from a holy God for all eternity. And that's what hell is all about. It is the second death. Our greatest fears will be realized in hell. Now, I've got good news for you. Because of Jesus, you don't have to go there. Because of Jesus, you can be born again. Because Jesus died on the cross and took the punishment for your sin, listen, your sins can be forgiven if you'll only trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Only trust Him. I love that old song. That's what you must do. Place your faith in Christ. Repent of your sins and turn toward Him. The same Jesus who saved me can and will save you. Today's the day of salvation. Now some of you are here and you are saved. That's good. But you know what? You're still walking in fear in some ways. You're fearing what's going to happen today. You fear what might happen tomorrow. Let me tell you what worry and fear is. It's a lack of faith. Now, I'm not telling you there's never times in my life when I face times of worry, times of fear, because there is. But I'll say this. I know that I have no clue what tomorrow holds. You know, I have no clue of what uh, Syria's going to do. I don't know what North Korea's going to do. I don't know what China's going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what anything is going to happen tomorrow, six months down the road or six years down the road. But I can tell you this, I know who holds tomorrow. And I call him my Abba Father. 
And he is all-powerful. The Bible says he's omnipotent. He has all power. I know that my God is omniscient. He has all knowledge. I know that my God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. So the God who has the power to do all things knows all things and is everywhere at all things and loves me most. And if that's the truth, he knows exactly what to do to give me protection, to give me provision, to see me through tomorrow. And that gives me peace. So child of God, you don't got to sit around chewing your fingernails to the bone, worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Keep trusting in Jesus. You don't have to walk in fear and worry, doubt. You can have the peace of God. You can have the joy of the Lord. The Bible says, fear not. Those who have a relationship to Jesus, listen, you can have peace in living. Can you say amen? Peace for today and peace for tomorrow, but you'll also have peace in dying. You'll have peace in knowing that when you close your eyes in death, you have a home with him in heaven. I'm telling you, if I don't make it out of this place alive this morning, folks, I know I'm going to be with Jesus. Not because I'm preaching the sermon or I pray the prayer, because I know I've trusted in him for the forgiveness of sin. I'm not trusting in my righteousness, I'm trusting in his. And if you'll do that today, if you'll trust him, he'll save you. He'll erase the fear. Then the Bible says something else. It says then in verse number six, he is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. They, listen, this, these angel, this angel invited the two Marys to come and see where Jesus was, but he's not there anymore. Now, this separates Jesus from every other world leader. How I many know we've had some great teachers in the past? We've had some great leaders in the past. We've had some very smart people in the past. But I want you to know this, all of them died. Do you know I can find where Muhammad's buried? If, we, if it were possible, we could go today and dig up the bones of Muhammad, a great religious leader. He was a great religious leader. No doubt about it. But I believe the biggest problem in this world, maybe the biggest problem is religion. Amen. So we can go and we can find the bones of Muhammad. Listen, we can go and we can find the bones of Einstein. He was a very smart man, very learned man. We can go and find the, the, the bones of Winston Churchill, great leaders from all throughout time. We could go back and find their bones. We could find their tomb. We could see that they died. Why? Because they were men. But when it comes to Jesus, listen, folks, there's an empty tomb. I had some pastor friends of mine go to the Holy Land and, and this morning, one of them sent me a picture of the garden tomb where Jesus was laid. And it was empty. Praise God, it was empty then, it's empty now. That separates Christ from every other leader throughout history. He overcame death. That's what makes all the difference. Can I say this while I'm still here? Christianity is not a religion. It was never meant to be a religion. Religion is man's feeble attempt to please God through rules and regulations. Christianity is a relationship. God wants to make you a part of His family by faith in His Son. That's Christianity. Now, how do we know the tomb is empty because of evidence? There's evidence all throughout the Word of God that lets us know that Jesus rose from the grave. There are at least 10 um, evidences that we know of in God's word, maybe more than that, uh, that show us Jesus did arise. Uh, one account we have is what we're studying this morning, the count of Mary, when Mary um, 
was told by the uh, angel that Jesus was alive. The tomb was empty. Then we have the, the, the other disciples that saw Jesus alive. The Bible speaks of that. Then we had Peter who saw Jesus alive after the resurrection by himself. Then we have two disciples on the walk to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, if you remember that, that Jesus appeared to. Then if you remember, we had uh, the disciples themselves in the upper room that saw the Lord Jesus who walked through the wall, through the door. The Bible says the door's being shut. He came and appeared in the midst of them. Then we had the seven disciples by themselves that saw Jesus. We had a 120 believers on the Mount of Transfiguration that saw Jesus before he was transfigured up to heaven. We have 500 believers at one time. I want you to think about that. 500 believers at one time that the Apostle Paul said were still alive in the day that he was writing um, his gospel, or the day he was writing his letters to the churches, the day he was ministering throughout the region that could have said, yes, Jesus was there or no. He had eyewitness accounts that Jesus rose again from the grave. There's evidence all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Word of God. How many know there's evidence all throughout the secular writings of man? You look in your historical uh, books uh, uh, during, around that time, you're going to see there was a lot of evidence, not just from the Bible, but from secular writings that Jesus overcame the grave. The great uh, Jewish historian Josephus speaks of it a lot according to the resurrection of Jesus. So there's a lot, mountain of evidence. You know there is much more evidence that Jesus resurrected from the tomb than there is that Alexander the Great ever existed. But nobody questions the existence of Alexander the Great. Let me tell you why. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then you've got to do something with Jesus. You've got to do business with him then. If you realize he overcame death, hell, and the grave, then you must realize he is God. Then you must realize that God died for your sin. And you've got to realize that you are a sinner and most people don't want to realize they're sinners. Listen to me, folks. The problem with people coming to Jesus is not faith. Everybody's got enough faith to get saved. Jesus said all it takes is a faith is a grain of mustard seed. I ain't much. It's not the, the, the problem's not faith. You put faith in all kinds of different things. You've got faith in the chair you're sitting in right now this morning. Problem's not faith. The problem's sin. People don't want to admit they're wrong. People don't want to see where they really are. And so people try to discredit the empty tomb, but there's a mountain of evidence. But not only I want you to know, you come and see not only through the evidence, but you also come and see through experience. Let me tell you how I know Jesus is alive. Not just because I've seen it in the Word of God. That's enough. My faith is not a leap in the dark. My faith is based upon fact that comes from God's Word. Let me say that again because I don't think you got it. My, my faith is not a leap in the dark. My faith in Christ is based upon fact from God's word. Amen. That's what faith is all about. But let me tell you how else I know. Because of my experience, he's changed my life. How do I know Jesus lives? He lives in me. Amen. How do I know Jesus is alive? I spoke to him this morning. Amen. Folks, you are invited just like these ladies are invited to come and see. The psalmist said it like this, taste and see that the Lord is good. I can tell you how good Jesus is. I can tell you what he's done in my life. But until you experience Christ for yourself through a personal relationship, you're never really going to see what I'm talking about. 
It's hard, hard for me with mere words to explain how good he is. Then he says something else, go and tell. Go and tell. Now, how many of you know, church, that's what we've been called to do? Go and tell. We have had people here all weekend working in the church. We had ladies come yesterday morning, do some decorating, fix the cross. Thank you so much for that. Like I told you a while ago, we had our men come this morning, fix breakfast. What was the purpose of all that getting ready? Why did we do that? Because we realized we were going to have the opportunity to tell. To tell what? Jesus is alive. He's alive. He overcame the grave for you. He died for you. He died for me. My sin, your sin. And now all who will trust him can be born again. Wow. Never let Easter, the cross, the empty tomb, become commonplace to you. It's the foundation of our faith. Folks, Jesus is alive today. I was reading this week about the great Welsh revival in Great, great Britain. And the Lord did such a work through those revival meetings that it changed the landscape of a whole country. It even changed how people greeted one another. As they would be walking um, and meet someone on the street, one person would say, um, Jesus is risen. And the other one would say back to him, he's risen indeed. And that was their greeting, just like a hello. Now I would like for us to do that this morning if you believe it. I'm going to tell you Jesus is risen and then you're going to tell me he is risen indeed. Jesus is risen today. He is risen indeed. Amen. He's risen indeed. He overcame the grave for you and for me. All who trust in him can be saved. You don't have to fear. You can come and see for yourself. Let's go and tell. Everybody stand today. Brother, come on up. What has the Lord spoke to your heart? What do you need to do? I believe in doing business with God. I believe in you doing what you need to do concerning Jesus, whether that's salvation or if you already are saved, getting right with Him. If you're in a black-slidden condition, hey, let's get back on the bus and get busy. Amen. Whatever the case may be, today you need to be submissive to the will of God in your life, whatever that is. If you're here today and there is fear in your heart because of death, today you can have peace. Peace in knowing that you've been born again. And so what I want you to do in this invitation time I want you to come to this altar. And again, walking this aisle don't save you and coming to this altar don't save you. I certainly don't save you. But I'm going to share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. To place your faith in Christ, repent of your sins and turn to Him. If you need to do that today, I want you to come saved. Brothers, I need to be saved. It would be my honor and privilege to leading you to Jesus on Easter. What a great day to trust Christ. If that's you today, you come. If you're here today and you are a believer but you know you're not where you need to be, you come because the same grace that saves us keeps us 
And the Bible says that if we have any sin in our life, what we must do, all we need to do, is confess that sin, repent of that sin. He forgives us of that sin. And then we can go about being what God has saved us to be and called us to be. Whatever you need today, you come. If you need to come and pray for a lost friend, lost loved one, you got fear in your heart over whatever, come and leave it at this altar. Whatever you need, you come this morning. This is your invitation. Play for us. this morning that the Lord spoke to your heart today's the day child of God do not quench the spirit today if God is leading you to do something do business with him today these altars are open right where you're at make that an altar but whatever the case may be you get your heart right today do what God wants